Three U.S. banks collapsed this March in the span of one week. And in response, the U.S. Federal Reserve, the U.S. Central Bank, printed $300 billion in order to save their wealthy depositors. This was a massive bailout for the rich. But some people on Silicon Valley who are benefiting from this U.S. government bailout are trying to portray this as something that was necessary to save humble working class people, mom and pop small businesses. That is a ridiculous narrative. Make no mistake, this is a US government bailout of the rich, of billionaires and people with hundreds of millions of dollars, many of whom portray themselves as libertarians who got rich without government support and who constantly criticize the government for intervening in the economy. But now that they need help, they're demanding that help and they're trying to insist that they're fighting Wall Street and fighting for the average working person, which is a ridiculous, cynical narrative. This is data from the US Federal Reserve, and it shows that on March 8th, 2023, the Federal Reserve's total assets were $8.34 trillion. And a week later, on March 15th, the Fed disclosed that its assets were now $8.64 trillion. So, it printed roughly $300 billion in one week. And where did those $300 billion go? They went to bailing out the banks and their wealthy depositors. This is a report from the Associated Press. Fed lent $300 billion in emergency funds to banks in the past week. It noted that cash short banks borrowed about $300 billion from the Federal Reserve. Nearly half of the money, $143 billion, went to holding companies for two major banks that failed over the past week, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. The Fed did not identify the banks that received the other half of the funding or say how many of them did so. And by the way, the U.S. Federal Reserve has made it very clear what its goal is. In raising interest rates, the Fed is trying to artificially create a recession, and that recession affects everyone. It affects working people the most, not just people in Silicon Valley, but only people in Silicon Valley get bailed out. Working people don't get bailed out. Instead, the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, admitted that the goal is to get wages down. That's an exact quote. That is, the goal is to decrease wages and increase unemployment. Now, if you don't believe me, I wrote an article about this over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. I'll link to it in the description below. But here is the official transcript of the press conference that Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, gave, and it was published by the Wall Street Journal. And this is from May 4th of 2022. And if you go down into this press conference, Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, he says very clearly, the goal is, quote, to get wages down and then get inflation down without having to slow the economy and have a recession and have unemployment rise materially. So the goal is to get wages down and then, of course, have unemployment rise materially. So that, that's the stated goal of the Federal Reserve. And of course, the average working people who have their wages decreased, the average working people whose real wages have already been declining because inflation is rising faster than their wages, the, the peop, working people and poor people who lose their jobs and are unemployed, they don't get bailed out, but Silicon Valley does get bailed out. 
Now, some oligarchs in Silicon Valley, like the PayPal mafia member David Sachs, who has hundreds of millions of dollars of wealth, tens of millions of dollars of multiple mansions, he's trying to portray this US government bailout as something that was necessary to supposedly save regional banks who are resisting Wall Street. That is a ridiculous narrative. Silicon Valley Bank was actually working closely with Wall Street. Silicon Valley was used as a mechanism to, as a vehicle, by venture capital firms and private equity firms to fund startup companies, to give them seed funding, so then they can eventually have an IPO on Wall Street. And then Wall Street investment banks would make all of this money. So it was essentially a way to connect Silicon Valley to Wall Street. Oligarchs like David Sachs from the PayPal Mafia, I'll talk about him in a second, they're intentionally trying to deceive people to make it seem like this US government bailout is, is part of populism to resist Wall Street. Literally, it's the opposite. It's helping Wall Street and it's helping Silicon Valley oligarchs. And this is very, very clearly spelled out in an article over at the website MarketWatch, which is called Inside the Relationship with Venture Capitalists that did Silicon Valley Bank in. It notes that the main business that Silicon Valley Bank did was work with venture capitalists to provide them loans in what was something called fund subscription lines. So these are loans for venture capital firms and private equity firms. And by the end of 2022, 56% of the loans that Silicon Valley Bank had made was to private equity firms and venture capital firms. In fact, only 20%, only one fifth of the loans that SVB gave out was actually to startup companies and tech companies and biotech companies. So in the media, some people are trying to portray Silicon Valley Bank as something that was supporting startups, but actually its main customers, over half of its loans, went to venture capital firms and private equity firms. This is not some plucky regional bank. This is not some credit union. We're talking about something that was linked with an umbilical cord between Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And MarketWatch says it very clearly. They say, quote, the institution largely existed to support the investor class in Silicon Valley. SVB rode the boom in venture capital and technology investing. Its chief business was to make loans through fund subscription lines to venture capital firms and then in turn use the rock solid capital commitments of their investors as collateral. And at the end of the article, they spell it out very clearly. The same venture capital investors that the bank had supported for years ended up killing it. So this is not some, you know, plucky regional bank like a credit union that we should support to, that is supporting working people. Fortune magazine, the business media outlet, acknowledged this in an article about FDIC insurance. What is that? That refers to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. This is a U.S. government organization that was created by the FDR administration as part of the, the New Deal in the 1930s during the Great Depression. And at that time, there were many bank runs and there were people trying to withdraw their money from banks and banks didn't have enough money in their reserves to pay all the depositors. So many depositors lost their deposits. They lost all their money in their bank account. So the FDIC was created in order to insure depositors. If you're an average person and you have your money in a bank, the U.S. government federally insures the money in that account 
up to $250,000. That is the FDIC limit, $250,000. However, Silicon Valley Bank, more than nine tenths, nearly all of their uh, depositors were above the $250,000 limit uh, that is insured by FDIC. I'm reading here from, this is from Fortune Magazine, reprinted at Yahoo Finance. While Silicon Valley Bank is FDIC insured, one of the unique aspects of the institution is the number of depositors whose accounts were over the FDIC limit. More than 93% of the domestic deposits at SVB were above $250,000. An outsized number of SVB's clients were startups with a lot of money on hand from venture capitalists. And they quote a, a financial expert who said, SVP, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, is not your average regional bank. They are a niche bank catering to the venture capitalist crowd and are not a traditional everyday consumer bank. So what kind of average people in the United States, working people, have over $250,000 in their savings account? We're talking about rich people. We're talking about, we're not talking about small businesses, mom and pop stores. We're talking about big corporations Again, 56% of SVB's loans were to venture capital firms and private equity firms. And we're talking about people who are rich. And that's why 93% of its customers had their deposits over the FDIC limit. But what is happening? The US government is bailing them out. If we go back to this AP article about the $300 billion that the Fed printed to save these wealthy capitalists on, in Silicon Valley, it notes that the money that the Fed gave them was used to pay their uninsured depositors, uninsured depositors. That is to say that the US government is bailing out these rich capitalists in Silicon Valley who are billionaires and have hundreds of millions of dollars. It's bailing them out with US government money, well, print money that was printed by the Federal Reserve, and it's for people who knew their deposits were uninsured. They knew that, that if there was a problem with this bank, they were going to lose their money. But instead, they get bailed out by the government. And this is a classic example of how in the United States, there's a system of rules for the rich, for capitalists, and there's a system of rules for everyone else. So if you are an average person and you know your bank account is not insured, you're going to probably move that money. But why did these big corporations why did they have all of their money, millions of dollars or potentially billions of dollars in their accounts at Silicon Valley Bank? Because SVB was giving them higher rates of interest. These were high interest bearing accounts. So that's why they were making more money and they knew it was risky behavior. So now what the Federal Reserve is doing, the US Central Bank is doing, is telling rich people and corporations, put your money in risky bank accounts at risky banks, and all of your money is going to be insured by the US government. We will bail you out while you make much higher interest rates on your accounts. And many banks, you only have 0.2% interest on your savings account at most banks. Instead, at Silicon Valley Bank, people were getting four, up to 4.5% interest. So this is a way of the US government basically encouraging more and more risky behavior. So this brings me to the ridiculous interview that this Silicon Valley oligarch David Sachs did with Jimmy Dore. And I'm going to play a few clips from this because it shows this 
cynical, nonsensical argument that the people benefiting, the rich oligarchs benefiting from the U.S. government bailout are trying to use to portray themselves as people supposedly resisting Wall Street. They're not resisting Wall Street. They're allies of Wall Street. Regional banks who were under massive stress and all the money was leaving and they're going to Jamie Dimon. And I kept saying, you know, the, the, the person who's licking his chops over this whole thing who, who doesn't want to bail out of the regional banks is Jamie Dimon because right. he manages J.P. Morgan Chase, the biggest bank. Now, he says that only the big banks, are, of course, are lick, licking their chops. David Sachs doesn't mention that his friends are being bailed out, which I'll come back to in a second. His wealthy Silicon Valley oligarch friends are being bailed out. But so he's trying to make this narrative that the Fed is acting in the interest of the small guy. Meet people like us, the regional banks. We need to defend them against the big banks, against Wall Street. So I don't get all these like would-be populists who think they're being helpful here. All they're doing is being useful idiots for the big four banks because without the government intervening to solve the mess that they created, all the cash would be going to the top four banks. And my view is we need a vibrant regional banking system in this country because if you don't have that, our freedom is going to be greatly curtailed. I mean, you talk about a social, the risk of a social credit system. The easiest way to have a social credit system would be to force everyone's money into four banks. So that's the ridiculous narrative being pushed by Silicon Valley oligarchs. They're trying to portray themselves as people resisting the big four banks on Wall Street, when in reality, they're in cahoots with those banks. They are collaborating with those banks. That's why 93% of the depositors in Silicon Valley Bank were big were people over the FDIC $250,000 insured limit. They, and that's why 56% of loans at, at SVB were going to venture capital firms and private equity firms. These are the rich who are working with the investment banks on Wall Street. So while Silicon Valley oligarchs are trying to portray SVB as some regional bank helping the common man, the, the best description I've seen debunking this nonsense propaganda is from the website Wall Street on Parade, wallstreetonparade.com. It's such a good resource. And they had an article, it's titled Silicon Valley Bank was a, a Wall Street IPO pipeline in drag as a federally insured bank. And meanwhile, they talk about how F, FHLB, I'll talk about what that is in a second, in San Francisco, which is a, a federal government backed bank they quietly bailed it out even before it crashed. And this is by these really good analysts, uh, Pam Martins and Russ Martins. And I actually tried to get Pam Martins on the show, but unfortunately she doesn't really do uh, interviews. And for people who don't know, Pam Martins worked for two different Wall Street firms for 21 years. She managed investment portfolios and then she retired and she became an outspoken critic of Wall Street and its corrupt practices. And she also actually testified before the Federal Reserve in 1998, testifying against the repeal of Glass-Steagall. So again, if these Silicon Valley oligarchs were serious, they would call for restoring Glass-Steagall, which of course they don't wanna do because they're not serious. So this is how they describe it. It's a perfect description of the scam that SVB was, quote, this was a financial institution deployed to facilitate the goals of powerful venture capital and private equity operators by financing tech and pharmaceutical startups until they could raise millions or billions of dollars in a Wall Street initial public offering, IPO. 
Many of the former startup companies also continued to keep their operating money at SVB, in many cases in the millions of dollars, ignoring the fact that just $250,000 of that was insured by the FDIC. And of course, they were all bailed out, even over the federally insured limit. And they put it clearly, quote, to put it bluntly, SVB was a Wall Street IPO machine that enriched the investment banks on Wall Street by keeping the IPO pipeline moving, padded the bank accounts of venture capital and private equity middlemen, and minted startup millionaires for ideas that often flamed out after the companies went public. These are the functions and risks taken by investment banks. Silicon Valley Bank, with this business model, should never have been allowed to hold a federally insured banking charter and be backstopped by the U.S. taxpayer who was on the hook for its incompetent bank management. So while Silicon Valley oligarchs like uh, David Sachs are trying to portray these ridiculous banks, as regional banks fighting against Wall Street. Here, Wall Street on Parade points out that they were actually enriching the investment banks on Wall Street. It was part of the same exact scam, the same scheme that enriched Wall Street. Silicon Valley and Wall Street are not separate. They are inextricably joined together at the hip. And here, this isn't even the beginning of the scandal. It gets deeper. And they point out at Wall Street on Parade, the Martins, they point out that 150 billion of the 175 billion in deposits at SVB were uninsured. The bank was clearly paying a dangerous gambit with its depositors' money. It should not have been bailed out, but it was bailed out by the US government. Furthermore, adding further insult to US taxpayers, the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, this is a federal backed, a federal government US bank that was created also after during the Great Depression, after the the after the the crash, the famous crash of 1929. And the job was to provide credit for affordable housing and community de development. That's the official job of the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco. But instead of doing that, it was quietly bailing out Silicon Valley Bank throughout much of 2021, or 2022, excuse me, throughout much of 2022. According to SEC filings by the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, that is the US government, its loan advances to Silicon Valley Bank went from zero at the end of 2021 to 15 billion at the end of 2022. That is to say that it gave $15 billion from the government to Silicon Valley Bank throughout 2022 before it even collapsed. That means that the SVB was the largest borrower from this US government-backed bank with outstanding advances representing 17% of all loans made, nearly one-fifth of all loans made by the FHLB, by the Federal Home Loan Bank. So not only, was, not only did the Federal Reserve print money over $100 billion to bail out Silicon Valley Bank's wealthy Silicon Valley depositors. But for a year, it was already being bailed out by the US government. So once again, this is welfare for Silicon Valley. It's not just the banks being bailed out here. It's Silicon Valley oligarchs. It's people like 
Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, David Sachs, the PayPal mafia, and their friends, they're the ones being bailed out. Silicon Valley as a whole is being bailed out by the US government. While they preach their libertarian capitalist rhetoric about poor people needing to work harder and having more individual responsibility. Now, I mentioned that David Sachs is part of the PayPal Mafia. What is this? This is a group of billionaires and multimillionaires who previously worked at PayPal or were in and around PayPal. And Business Insider described them as the richest group of men in Silicon Valley. It includes Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, the billionaires. But David Sachs is also part of the PayPal Mafia. He's number seven in this photo here. And if you go down, they explain who David Sachs is. This man who's now portraying himself as a populist fighting Wall Street. Where did he get his start? He got his start at McKinsey, the very pl same place where Pete Buttigieg worked. McKinsey is a notorious CIA contractor. And then after that, he worked at Microsoft. He was corporate vice president at Microsoft. And he celebrated in 2012, he celebrated his 40th birthday with the theme, let them eat cake, the French Revolution. So making fun of poor and working people. And he paid for Snoop Dogg to perform at his birthday party, and it cost $1.4 million. This is the oligarch being he and his friends in the Silicon Valley, in the in Silicon Valley, in the PayPal Mafia, they and their friends are being bailed out by the Fed. That's why the Fed printed $300 billion, is to bail out these oligarchs who are now portraying themselves as anti-Wall Street populists. We're talking about David Sachs, a man here, an oligarch, who has multiple mansions worth tens of millions of dollars. This is an article that was published back in 2021. Tech tycoon David Sachs upgrades to $23.2 million Hollywood Hills mansion. He, in Silicon Valley, he recently sold a $22 million mansion and he bought a, a mansion in Florida for $17 million on Miami Beach. He, he was finishing touches on a renovation of his San Francisco mansion assessed at $44 million. And he also bought a $23.2 million mansion in Hollywood Hills above the LA's iconic, suns above LA's iconic Sunset Strip. This is the guy we're talking about with multiple mansions worth tens of millions of dollars. This is exactly what the Silicon Valley oligarchs always do. Here's a photo of David Sachs with his close friend, Elon Musk. They, they, these guys are multimillionaire or billionaire oligarchs who portray themselves as populists fighting against the establishment. But all they're doing is trying to co-opt popular energy of working class people who rightfully don't trust the government, who rightfully don't trust Wall Street. And they're trying to deceive them and say, well, we, we are the capitalists who support you, the average person. No, they're all part of the same capitalist class. These are the same oligarchs who have been pushing right-wing culture war nonsense to distract people from the class struggle because they don't want a class struggle because they are capitalists. They want us to think that the, the, the conflict is between the populists and the liberal elites. This is what Tucker Carlson always says. This is the CIA talking points. In reality, they have been funding this, this culture war nonsense from the very beginning to distract from the class war. In fact, David Sachs, published a book back in 1998 with Peter Thiel, the billionaire Silicon Valley oligarch and main supporter and funder of Donald Trump. And it's called The Diversity Myth, 
multiculturalism and political intolerance on campus. They have been pushing this stuff for decades. And who is Peter Thiel? He is one of Donald Trump's main supporters. Peter Thiel, like David Sachs and Elon Musk, was part of the PayPal mafia in this photo. He's number eight. And Peter Thiel often portrays himself, you know, with this libertarian rhetoric as someone who became rich independently fighting, you know, government inefficiency. But in reality, one of his main companies that he co-founded, Palantir, which is a data mining company, was backed from the CIA from the very beginning. Reuters referred to it as a CIA-backed company. Who are Palantir's main clients? The NSA, which is, does mass surveillance, the FBI, and the CIA, along with corporate customers such as banks. So Wall Street. So Peter Thiel is this billionaire oligarch in Silicon Valley who became rich through companies working with the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and Wall Street. And you know who also invests in Palantir, for, and who has been one of the main investors from the beginning? David Sachs, the man who was going on Jimmy Dore's show and portraying himself as an anti-Wall Street populist, who is one of the early angel investors in the CIA firm Palantir, the CIA-backed firm Palantir. You know, you know where else David Sachs has been an angel investor, a major investor in? Other Silicon Valley corporations like Facebook, like Uber, like Airbnb. This guy is such a cynical oligarch who's trying to portray himself as someone fighting for the common man, fighting against Wall Street, but he is the direct beneficiary. And by the way, David Sachs and Peter Thiel, they also have poured a lot of money into alternative media, trying to portray themselves as you know populists. They specifically push this idea that right and left should unite that the right and the left have more in common than a difference. They are, of course, right-wingers. They're, ironically, all of these Silicon Valley oligarchs used to, be, used to portray themselves as libertarians. And they were constantly criticizing the government for intervening in the economy and saying that we should all, you know, we should have more in it, we should have more efficiency and less government regulation. And now they're begging the US government to bail them out because at the end of the day, that's what capitalists always do. Libertarianism is just a scam to try to convince poor and working people to form an alliance with the capitalist oligarchs and big corporations exploiting them. And they're all laughing as they, you know, cash their money in in the big banks that they're criticizing for, you know, fake populist discursive reasons. Elon Musk, who's a friend of David Sachs and Peter Thiel, he is a textbook example of this. Elon Musk, here's an article in Los Angeles Times. Elon Musk's growing empire is fueled by $4.9 billion in US government subsidies. And this article was from back in 2015. The number has only grown since then. Elon Musk, the reason he became a billionaire is because he's made, he's had billions of dollars in US government subsidies, just like Peter Thiel, who got contracts from the CIA, FBI, NSA, all of these Silicon Valley oligarchs are complete frauds when they talk about being libertarians. They're not libertarians. They are the biggest welfare recipients on earth. You know, they'll criticize welfare recipients and poor and working people who receive money, very little money in support from the government. Meanwhile, they're getting billions of dollars in support from the government. Here, Los Angeles Times notes, Tesla, SolarCity, SpaceX, the main companies of Elon Musk, have gotten billions of dollars in government support as part of a public-private financing model underpinning startups. 
It's, there are a variety of government incentives given to Elon Musk's companies, like grants, tax breaks, factory construction, discounted loans, environmental credits that Tesla can sell, tax credits and rebates to buy solar panels and electric cars. Musk and his companies and investors enjoy most of the financial upside of the government support while taxpayers shoulder the cost. So it's always the same old, same old. They're rich capitalists. They get bailed out with $300, billions of, $300 billion printed by the Fed. They get bailed out with subsidies and loans and tax credits. And yet average poor and working people are told to pick up their bootstraps, to pull themselves up by their, by their bootstraps, to work harder, to stop asking for a handout, to stop being welfare queens. The real welfare queens and kings are the billionaire and multimillionaire oligarchs in Silicon Valley, like Peter Thiel, like Elon Musk, like David Sachs. And they're the ones now trying to convince us that they're the populists fighting against the so-called liberal elites and the big banks that they have made all of their wealth working with in Wall Street. Meanwhile, while the Fed is printing $300 billion to bail out the rich, you know how much it would cost to end homelessness in the United States? $8.1 billion a year. Clearly, the U.S. government could print that and do it if it wanted, but of course, it doesn't want to. You know how much it would cost to end homelessness, uh, to end poverty, extreme poverty in the entire world, to end global poverty? This is a report from the United Nations warning that by 2030, 167 million children will live in extreme poverty if people don't take action. And they note that according to the economist Jeffrey Sachs, to end extreme poverty worldwide in 20 years, it would cost around $175 billion per year. So that's for the entire world, not just the United States. The Fed just printed $300 billion in one week. And why? To benefit rich people in Silicon Valley, private equity firms, venture capital firms, People who are friends with the PayPal mafia, people like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and David Sachs. And by the way, what do these rich oligarchs do with all that money they make? Well, Peter Thiel, here's an article back in New York, in Vanity Fair magazine. Peter Thiel wants to inject himself with young people's blood. This is what they're investing their, their hard-earned wealth in. These libertarian oligarchs who talk about how important it is to have unregulated capitalism until they need a bailout from the government. Peter Thiel wrote in an article in the libertarian website Cato Unbound, quote, I stand against confiscatory taxes, totalitarian collectives, and the ideology of the inevitability of the death of every individual. So that's what he says publicly. And then privately, they're like, bail us out, Fed bail us out, print money to fail us, to bail us out. And meanwhile, he uses that money to, he says that he's interested, he's looking into parabiosis, which is injecting older people with young people's blood. Vanity Fair wrote, quote, the venture capitalist explains that he's interested in parabiosis, which includes the practice of getting transfusions of blood from a younger person as a means of improving health and potentially reversing aging. He said that it's part of a mass rejuvenating effect, and he's more interested in, in supporting this research. So this is literal. 
These are modern day vampires. That's what we're talking about. That's why they need $300 billion printed by the Fed to bail them out so they can invest in those things. And meanwhile, they're telling poor and working people, tough luck. Peter Thiel was one of Donald Trump's main donors and supporters. And Donald Trump oversaw the largest transfer of wealth from poor and working people to the rich in the tax breaks that Donald Trump gave to billionaire capitalists like the PayPal mafia. Donald Trump also cut tax rates on corporations. So that's what we're talking about. And yet we have, why, why is Jimmy Dore giving a platform to these multimillionaire oligarchs who have mansions worth tens of millions of dollars, who got their start at CIA contractors like McKinsey and who were our investors in CIA contractors like Palantir, who are trying to portray themselves cynically as populists fighting Wall Street. It is so ridiculous. Now, of course, it's obvious that these Silicon Valley oligarchs have a vested interest in trying to portray the bailout of them as something good and, and positive and pop, even populist. But the reality is, I'll, I'll, I'll take this critique seriously for a second, even though I th don't think it's in good faith. Let's say they actually were concerned about the four big banks, the systemically important banks that the US always bails out. Well, I have a, a series of ideas that we could pr promote that would be much better than simply bailing out Silicon Valley oligarchs in the name of fighting the big banks. One, break up the big banks, break them up. They, it, is, they should, it should be illegal that they're so concentrated, they're so monopolized. They should be broken up. It's a very simple thing. And even mainstream Democrats, like Elizabeth Warren have called for that. That should be mainstream, but of course the Silicon Valley oligarchs are not gonna call for that. Second, bring back Glass-Steagall. This is a series of laws from in 1932 and 1933 under FDR and the Great Depression and the New Deal. And ironically, this is also what created the FDIC, which is you know the $250,000 insured limit in banks. So, the Glass-Steagall Act, however, was repealed in the 1990s under Bill Clinton with bipartisan support, the peak of the neoliberal era of Republicans and Democrats. And Glass-Steagall separated commercial banking from investment banking. So bring back Glass-Steagall, have more regulation. And finally, the best solution of all, if you're concerned about the big four banks, nationalize them. They should be public property. There should be no private commercial banks, or if there are any, there should be very few. China has public banking. They're nationalized public banks. It is a public banking sector. The four biggest banks in the world belong to the people of China, the Chinese government, and they have around $20 trillion in assets. And they give loans to help the real economy, not to fund speculation, not to fund these you know, fraud, fake startups in Silicon Valley. We've seen so many of them. I mean, I don't need to get into them, right? These fake companies that have like a technology that doesn't actually exist that they promote and they have this big speculative bubble and then it ex explodes and there's all this insider trading. That's what US commercial banks are constantly funding, right? And then 15 years of quantitative easing and zero interest rates have just had this massive era of cheap money where there's this massive pool of cheap money going everywhere to fund all these schemes. In China, the public banks, which are state-owned, give loans at very favorable rates to companies that actually want to build something, invest in the real economy, in production, in helping to build housing, infrastructure, 
things that actually benefit poor and working people, that benefit society as a whole and not just a small handful of oligarchs. That's the real solution. Not, not a short-term band-aid like regulation, is nationalizing the banks, public banking. But of course, that's completely anathema. These, these oligarchs in Silicon Valley would never countenance that for a second because they're all capitalists and they, they hate socialism. And of course, nationalizing the banks is, you know, it's the death knell for capitalism. Meanwhile, the cherry on top is that the Fed and its supporters in Washington from both the Republican and Democratic parties and their friends in Silicon Valley are all, are all lobbying to prevent more regulation. They, they, they don't want more regulation because they, this is, how, for, this is how capitalism works. The rich get bailed out and the poor and working people have to suffer. And then the poor and working people are told, no, we don't want regulation because that's inefficient. That's how this scam always works. Here's the New York Times reporting. The Fed blocked mention of regulatory flaws in Silicon Valley bank rescue. This is from March 16th. Jerome Powell, the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, blocked efforts to include a phrase mentioning regulatory failures in the joint statement released by the Fed, the U.S. Treasury, and the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Some U.S. government officials wanted to include that lapses in bank regulation and supervision had contributed to the problems that helped fell the bank. We're talking about Silicon Valley Bank. But instead, Powell pushed to take the line and regulation out of the statement because they don't want more regulation of the banks because they act in the interest of the banks. They serve the commercial banks. And here's an article in... NBC News, so-called moderate Senate Democrats, these are, these are neoliberal Democrats, join the GOP in resisting new bank rules after SVB failure. Moderate Senate Democrats, they mean neoliberal corporate Democrats who are acting on behalf of the big corporations and banks who fund them, like the Republicans. Neoliberal Senate Democrats who voted to loosen regulations on mid-sized banks in 2018 are standing by their votes in the wake of Silicon Valley's banks collapse, joining Republicans in resisting enhanced scrutiny for financial institutions. So once again, we see the bipartisan consensus in Washington to defend Silicon Valley and Wall Street, who are joined at the hip. They're not, Silicon Valley oligarchs are not populists fighting Wall Street, they're part and parcel of the same corrupt capitalist system. And they buy and they, they have basically just bought up all of the politicians in Washington. Peter Thiel has invested in Donald Trump and other Republicans. David Sachs is also buying up and in, investing in a lot of Republicans, including fake populists like J.D. Vance, who are using the same populist rhetoric, but they're all part of the same corrupt capitalist club part of the same corrupt capitalist class. They are a class. And these, Demo these neoliberal Democrats voted with Republicans in 2018 to ease regulatory scrutiny of banks with assets of between $50 billion and $250 billion. And an array of banks, including Silicon Valley Bank, lobbied for this. So Silicon Valley Bank lobbied them to remove regulations in 2018, they remove those regulations and now Silicon Valley Bank collapses. And finally, to conclude here, I just want to reiterate that the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, made it clear his goal is to get 
wages down. That's what he said. The goal is to decrease wages for average working people and to increase unemployment. And meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is printing money to bail out banks, to bail out the rich investors, the rich depositors in Wall Street. So this shows as clearly as possible the reality of the system in the United States. Rich capitalists have a separate set of rules and poor and working people, everyone else, have to live by a completely different set of rules.